Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to Sex Health with Carol the Coach. Hi, I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets, and it is so good to be with you today. I have been working on a lot of things, and I am excited to talk to you about them. Many of you know I wrote Help or Heal. You know, it was an empathy workbook to help one's partner heal. And then one of the things I decided was that I wanted to write a journal to help partners get through the rough spots and to work through the three stages of partner betrayal. And so I decided to write Unleashing Your Power, Moving Beyond Sexual Betrayal. And it's so partners can detach from their experience and get back to finding out who they are. You know, so often partners have really wanted to know, what do I do? How do I get through this trauma? What can I do to make it better? And so that's why I wrote Unleashing Your Power. And I want you to know, that partners all over the world are really excited about this book because they want to be catapulted into healing. You know, it's very much like our guest tonight who knows what needs to be done to get through, uh, to get his sex addicts and porn addicts through their addiction. You know, you never are not addicted, but once you really find out who you are and you work on that inner child and you work through the guilt and the shame, then you can be much more effective in managing the addiction. Uh, And I got to tell you, Eddie Caparucci is somebody who really has devoted his whole life 
to working with sex addicts and 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 porn addicts. And he's identified significant character deficiencies that he believes plague many of the addicts that he works with. So he has even gone so far as to say, based on his work, um, he believes that nearly 90% of the men who struggle with porn or sex addiction have at least six of the characteristics that we're going to be talking about tonight that lead to issues in cultivating and maintaining healthy relationships. Um, So I also agree with Eddie, and I believe, like he does, and like Patrick Harnes does, that so much of addiction comes out of abuse, but even more importantly, neglect. Neglect and not being validated for the unique person that you were as a child, as you were growing up, and as young men or women. And so he is really working on helping do the inner child work with men, and that is what is so exciting. Now, there's a lot of theories to how sex addiction evolved in the lives of men and women, and Eddie really has specialized in figuring out how to help men get past these challenges, and help them to understand the whys. You know, our clients say, why is this happening to me? Why am I like this? Why did God do this to me? You know, why, why, why? And Eddie actually helps them to look at why they feel, think, and behave the way they do. And so I am so excited to have him on the show because He's going to be talking about um, a, a whole cycle that he sees with sex addiction. And he's going to be talking to you about how to increase your emotional awareness. I call it emotional maturity, um, attunement, emotional regulation. You know, that's managing your feelings, first identifying them, and then being able to manage them. And last but not least, one of my absolute favorite topics empathy. So Eddie, I want to welcome you to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And I know it's been a rough day, so I really appreciate you coming on the show. How are you doing? Well, thank you, Carol. I'm I'm hanging in there for your listener just to let them know um, how to put one of my dogs down today. I have three labs. He was my oldest lab. He was a real close one. He He was good. He had a lot of great memories of Gabriel. So, but, uh, yeah, but you know what? Life goes on, and um, like I said, we have all those memories, and I'm doing okay. So thanks for asking. Well, absolutely, and having had to put down several of my favorite um, animals, I kind of look at animals as being able to unconditionally love us, and, of course, then we unconditionally love them, and, Certainly what you're going through is that circle of life. And and you and I both believe that we're 100% accountable for how we react, what we think, what we do, and even, you know, how we end up feeling about something. And so what I heard you really saying is that you're focusing on what your dog had to give to you and the special, unique 
um, relationship you had with, is it a him or a her? It's a him. Yeah, we have we had three yeah. boys, so now we have two. But, uh, no, you're right. No. You're right. And it's also the way you handle it, you know. And, and I got to tell you, I came home this afternoon, and it was like, and I'm, I'm not a drinker. I do not. I drink. I may have a social drink outside the house. I never drink at home. Oh. And I was, man, you know what? I feel like drinking. Or if not, I want to eat like a dozen cookies. I want to do something. <laughs> and, and again, I realized, you know what? That's just trying to soothe yourself. All you have to do is you have to do what I teach men to do, and that's sit with the pain, sit with the grief, and just process through it. And that's what I've been doing this afternoon and early this evening. Well, and I get that. And you're honest enough to share an immediate impulse that any any person would have, especially addicts, and that is to want to numb the pain. And yet you and I both know that you're teaching men how to regulate their emotions. And that first requires that they feel the feelings and sit in the pain, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It takes quite a bit. Um, gotta, and see, that's the interesting thing that when they finally – get caught and now it is the time that they have to deal with the consequences and they're dealing with, you know, their partner who they betrayed. And at that time, they are probably facing more emotional crisis than they've ever Mm -hmm. faced in their entire lives. And so now it's almost like, you know, baptism by fire because it is, you got to learn to sit with this pain and you have to do it now. Because you can't, you can't keep running because you've already been in enough trouble. So we don't want to make it even worse. So they have to actually start to learn what it is by, re, by throwing them into the deep end of the pool. I mean, fortunately, we're, we're great lifeguards, so we're there to help them along if they start to drown. But that's what has to happen. So it's kind of ironic. People who don't want to sit in pain are now have to endure that kind of pain. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you are fully present and feeling those feelings, you're much more capable of knowing the blind spots that come into your life. And we're going to be talking about those later on. But let's talk a little bit about your premise. You really believe that you can help addicts learn how to be that new guy. So can you share a little bit about what you mean by the new guy? Yes, definitely, Carol. Um, he, uh, for me, I think that treatment of this type of addiction or really any type of addiction needs to go beyond just behavioral modification. We need to stop. It can't be just, okay, let's stop acting out, whether we're using porn or other sexual activity. And what it really has to be is a transformation of the heart. And and nowhere do we see that more evident when we see the betrayer trying to engage with those who have been betrayed. And instead of speaking from their heart, what they're doing is they're trying to figure out what are the right words she or he wants to hear? What, what am I supposed to be saying here? What, what is going to be the thing that gets them to, you know, de-escalate and calm down? And that is not, first of all, that is not a healthy approach. Second of all, it doesn't work. 
because those who've been betrayed see right through it. And I know you understand that fully. And what what these men that I work with, and again, to your audience, I work exclusively with men, uh, but again, I know that women have sexual addiction also. But for these men, they need to have a transformation of the heart so that they build a sense of confidence in themselves so that they can sit there and say, you know what? This is the truth. This is what I've done. You know, they're going to own their stuff. And as they go through the process of trying to do their recovery work while also assisting their partner in their healing, they're going to be able, by having this level of confidence, which is not an arrogance or a cockiness, but it's just that, you know what, I am going to be here now to protect your and guard your heart. I wasn't there before. I didn't know how to do it. I Now I'm learning how to do that. And therefore, I feel so much better about myself. And they need to be able to demonstrate that and show that to those who've been betrayed. So that's the new guy. The new guy, somebody who has this confidence, who's going to be very outwardly focused. He's not inwardly focused, which is what people who have addictions are. Instead, he's looking outward. He's trying to learn how to connect. He's being very mindful. Um, he knows what his emotions are. You know, that, that's the new guy. And so really one of the things that you're talking about is that somebody who is evolving and working through their issues has to have empathy, don't they? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, but see, that's... That's the thing with these folks is they don't even know what empathy is. Well, I was going to ask you, would you give us your definition of empathy and how you see that work in couples or how you see that it doesn't? Yeah, empathy, I mean, the traditional definition is to be able to uh, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Uh, Empathy for me is the fact that I can identify and associate with my partner's emotions and what they're going through. Um, I don't turn it inward and think about how their emotional or mental distress is impacting me or going to impact me. Instead, I stay outwardly focused and I focus on, on what they're going through. And therefore, then with that to be able to not just empathize, but to be able to validate their emotions, their feelings, so that they feel, okay, you know what? You're here with me. You get it and you understand. And so how did you figure out that addicts that we work with really lacked the skill of being able to put themselves in other people's shoes and at least understand their feelings, even if they didn't agree with it. How did you figure that out? Well, one is the fact that being being an addict myself, I understand that I did not know how to do that at all. Two, watching and observing the men through the years of my practice. But most importantly, and let me share this story with you. Um, it happened probably about uh, eight years ago, 
Um, I was working with a gentleman who has had a pornography addiction. And I've been working with him for about a year. He had, you know, reported that he had been sober that entire time, and, and he was doing all his work. He was going to his groups on a regular basis. He was faithful to the counseling process. I really felt he had a really good handle on everything. Um, but his wife was not making any inroads whatsoever to move back toward him. So, you know, and again, even after a year, you know, it still takes time. As you know, recovery can be anywhere between, you know, one to three years, depending even longer. Um, but anyway, I, I called her into my office. I said, hey, you know, come in and talk to me. She said, absolutely. And so, you know, I asked her, I said, so tell me, you know, he's reporting he's not looking at porn anymore. Um, he seems to be doing a lot of his work, but yet I don't see you making any effort to make any kind of reconnection here. And she go and she sat up and she leaned forward, sitting on the edge of my sofa, like coming at me almost in a way. And she said, Well, let me tell you this. She goes, you know, he says he's no longer doing porn. For years though, I thought he was, and whenever I thought that, I would ask him and he would deny it. He goes, so now he's telling me he's not doing pornography. Yet, there are many things that he was also doing that I still see. And I said to her, I go, well, what is that? And he goes, well, for example, like, you know, he brings his phone into the bathroom. And he knows I don't like him to bring his phone into the bathroom. He comes home, and he doesn't really spend that much time engaging with me or the kid. He'll give us a little 10,000-foot, like, you know, bit of time, but then he goes and sits on the couch to watch TV or to scroll on the internet. He's not very engaging with us in any kind of way. He doesn't have any sense of curiosity for our lives. He goes, so with all of that, here I have a man who hasn't changed in any of these areas that I would love for him to change. The only thing that's different if he's telling me he's not looking at porn. But he was telling me he wasn't looking at porn all these years before this. So now you tell me what's different. And I got to tell you, it, it was like she took a two-by-four and hit me in the head. And I realized, you know what? Those who've been betrayed need to see real differences. They need to see the difference of the heart. And therefore, it is, again, a man who is not self-absorbed, but instead outwardly focused. And that, to me, starts the whole ball rolling with all of what I call the blind spots along the way. So that that would be real catalyst that got me onto this uh, pathway. Wow. Okay, and so obviously what she was saying is even though he was working on his recovery, he was still disengaged from the relationship, and he wasn't working on connection or intimacy or empathy. And as a result, Mm -hmm. she was very frustrated, um, and it hit you over the head like, like a hammer. 
Now, I mean, go back to what you said before in your intro, Carol. You know what? It's, emo- it's about emotional maturity. And, and, and while he may have said, okay, I've given up porn, he was still being very emotionally mm-hmm. immature. Because, again, he was too mm-hmm. self-absorbed, too much in his own head. And I had to start, and that's why my, what I do now in my practice with men is we're not just working on getting, you know, managing that pornography or sex addiction. We're also teach, I'm also teaching them what does it mean to get out of your head? What does it mean to really be living life versus just existing? And, and so I'm assuming that you have come up with oh, a theory. I know you've written an article about it. I know it's going to be in your new book that hopefully is going to be out this fall. And it's about blind spots. And, and you've identified 14 of those. So can you tell me a little bit about what is a blind, well, what are the blind spots for addicts? And I'm hoping our listening audience is going to be kind of taking an um, inventory and saying, yeah, do I suffer from that? Do I have that? So share a little bit about the blind spots. Yes, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. That's exactly what's going to be happening. Um, the blind spots are what they are for the most part are character deficiencies, okay, that plague men. And as you mentioned again earlier, you know, through my work, I believe 90% of the men who struggle with a porn or sex addiction have at least six of these 14 characteristics. Uh, and what it does, uh, they, what it impacts their ability to cultivate and maintain healthy relationships. So, for example, you know, they have the inability to emotionally connect. And this is rooted in the fact that they have very low emotional IQs. They can't tell you really what they feel beyond the primary emotions of anger, sadness, happiness, fear. Uh, And even for those who could, if they could drill down and tell you, I feel a sense of, uh, you know, I feel belittled or something like that, they they are going to struggle to be able to communicate it because putting your emotions out there somewhere along the line, they receive the, the message that it is unsafe to do that. You can't put your emotions out there. And also the fact that you have a low emotional IQ, it makes it very difficult when people are trying to engage you in an emotional conversation to be part of that conversation. So therefore, what they'll do is they will try to come up with a solution for it, or they will attempt to shut it down by minimizing it. It's not a big deal. I don't know why you worry about that. Or they're just going to withdraw and say, hey, look, just don't have the time for it and try to move on. So therefore, what they do is they leave their partner feeling like, okay, you have no interest. Um, And that's what they come off as. They come across as, you know what, uh, they don't care. And it's not that they don't care. They do They just don't have the tools, the insight to be able to engage in the healthy relationship and conversations that are needed in those relationships. And a lot of it is on 
you know, what happened in their childhood. You mentioned before, you said it wasn't so much about abuse. It is more about neglect. That doesn't mean that abuse doesn't play a factor in some cases. It does. But in a large majority of cases, these are individuals who lived in a home that parents were neglectful. Not that they were bad people, but they just themselves did not have the skill sets that were needed to be able to give to these folks so that they can engage in healthy conversations. I'm sorry, healthy relationships. Well, and don't you believe that when there is that kind of neglect, and again, we're not faulting parents, oftentimes they didn't have that growing up, that emotional attachment or attunement. Um, But when that occurs, it really leaves kids fending for themselves, second-guessing what's going on in their life. And oftentimes, because that's such an uncomfortable place to be, they end up medicating their feelings so that they don't have to question their life and question themselves and wonder what they should be doing. And so it really produces addiction. Yes, absolutely. That's what it all does. Mm -hmm. Because, again, if you as a child are not given the tools that you need to be able to, one, be aware of what your emotions are, to be in attunement with other people and their emotions, to be able to regulate, do self-regulation, self-soothing. And in order to do that, somebody has to be able to get, when you're in emotional distress, somebody has to be able to walk you through that. And, and finally, giving you empathy. If there's somebody, if you're not getting those tools, you're growing up as a dysfunctional adult when it comes to engaging in deeper romantic relationships. You, can, you might be able to do very well in relationships that, again, are on a 10,000-foot level, but you're talking about those relationships that are what a, what a marriage is supposed to be like, you know, what it, that engagement, that connection, it's just not there. And because it's not there, as men can't sit with emotional pain, they're going to wind up stepping outside to look for something else to fulfill their needs. But again, that usually starts way before they even get involved in the relationship itself. Okay, and so you've shared a little bit about how blind spots develop. Um, Can you share all 14 of them, just kind of go through the list so that people can say, hmm, that could be me. Hmm, that happened to me. Yes, I'll I'll do that briefly for you. Um, I'll start with emotional pain, okay? Avoiding emotional pain, again, we mentioned a little bit earlier, these are individuals who just, if they have emotional distress, they were taught at a young age and they came up with this themselves because nobody's teaching them what to do with this emotional distress of a child. So it's like, okay, what do I do with this? And again, not having a lot of worldly experiences and um, limited in their cognitive thinking, being more driven with you know, their emotional thinking, they come up with one solution. I'm not going to think about it. And so how do they not think about this emotional distress 
that they may be going through, and that is I'll find distractions. So therefore, it may be too much television or too much food. Uh, but then as they get older and they become teenagers and they still wind up having different emotional distressors, they do the same thing. They keep running away. And for the folks I work with and that you work with, they stumble across sex. And they find, ooh, sex is the ultimate distraction. And therefore, instead of ever sitting with the emotional distress, what they do is they learn to run away and use sex to avoid it. And that's why I call them runners. Uh, the next one is lack curiosity. They don't probe. They don't ask questions of their uh, significant others. I'm not saying they don't have – they could be very curious about science or they could be curious about sports or things like that. But when it comes to, you know, the family and the kids, it might be just, so how was your day? And, you know, and he'll say, oh, fine. And then he'll go ask his wife, well, how was your day? And she'll start talking about it, and he'll be, oh, okay, that's good. And then just stop instead of continuing to follow up with more questions. And that lack of curiosity, again, sends an indirect message of you don't care. Um, another blind spot is they are hypersensitive, and that is why you see a lot of defensiveness in these individuals. Uh, they don't take criticism very well, and so therefore what they do is they're always kind of pushing back on it. Um, the next one is they struggle to connect, which we talked a little bit about before. They just don't know how to emotionally bond. The big one is inwardly focused. It is really all about them. Not that they want to be that way, not that they even think they're that way, but they're in their own head a great amount of the time. So even if they're around people, they're still thinking about everything else that's going on in their lives and stuff and not being in the moment, which brings us to our next blind spot, which is they lack mindfulness. They don't, they can't. You'll find these folks, you know, it's really interesting. One of the questions I asked uh, is, tell me, talk to me, how often do you just sit? How often do you just sit still? And they're like, well, what do you mean, like sit and watch television? I go, no, no, just sit and do nothing. And you could see the nervousness that starts to develop, the anxiety that starts to develop even as they're thinking about it. They can't. They got to keep busy with something, and therefore they don't have mindfulness. Mindfulness, as you know, Carol, the key factor in recovery. We have to be mindful. We have to be mindful of what our triggers are. Have to be mindful of what our environment is. We need to be mindful of how we're doing mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, so that we can stay one step ahead of our addiction. Another blind spot is they have a low emotional IQ. I talked to you about that a little while ago. A really interesting Mm -hmm. one is what I call the hide and lie syndrome. They learned at a very young age that, you know what, telling the truth doesn't get me anything. It's not like like your parents always say, well, you know, you're going to get in more trouble if 
if you lie to me, so you better tell me the truth instead. And they just learn, no, it, that's not the case. Even if I tell the truth, I wind up in trouble. Or if I, if I you know, try to tell the truth, people don't believe me. So what they do is they start to learn, you know what, it's better to, to just blend in with the background or, or fly under the radar. Don't get noticed. Don't make yourself you know, stand out. And also, if, if you're confronted with something, lie about it, be in denial, or omit things. And this, this is, of course, the thing that you know, drives those who have been betrayed, you know, uh, crazy. All the lying that goes on constantly. So we have to hide and lie syndrome. We'll find that in many of these individuals, they don't have a lot of interest and passions. They, they don't even have a lot of friends in many cases. So, and again, that, that, that's not for everyone, but in a large percentage of people, they don't. Um, so therefore, they live very simplistic lives. There's no, there's no sense of uh, adventure. There's no sense of, again, it goes back to kind of curiosity fitting in that. So they don't want to take risks. They don't want to take chances. I don't want to try something new because I may fail. I don't want to try something new because I may look silly uh, doing it. They struggle to connect with God. As you can imagine, if you, if you struggle to connect with people on the earth, how, how do you do when you try to connect with someone that you can't see, touch, or, or, or you know, hear? And, in many, and, of course, I understand you can't hear from God if you listen, but at least for many of these people, they don't think they can. So they struggle in that relationship there. <clears throat> They're very compulsive or impulsive, which speaks for itself. And then here's another blind spot that really resonates throughout all of them, and that's fearful. They are fearful individuals. And it is that fear that prevents them from, from sitting with pain. It is that fear that keeps them inwardly focused. It is that fear that gets them into hiding and lying. The fear that doesn't allow them to take those risks so that they can expand and take on, take on new hobbies or interesting things. So you're going to find that across all of these. Um, there's just two more. One, that, the one is mood or medical disorders. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is a large majority of them have anxiety Last depression, as you know, anxiety and depression are cousins, and also many also have ADD. Um, for some, it hasn't been diagnosed yet, but in many cases, they're going to sit there and they're going to tell you they have a very difficult time focusing, and they always have. And then the last one is just a lack of contentment. You know, they they just what they call the void. You know, they have this big void in their lives and they don't know how to fill it, and they don't know what it is. And therefore, you know, it's always like searching for something exciting or different, but there's nothing that's really there. And in many cases, they'll just quit and give up, and therefore just stick with their – they fall into very routine types of lives, you know, uh, for the most part. And a lot of it is focused on their addiction. So they're, they're your 14 blind spots. And, and I'm assuming that obviously not everybody has to have all 14 blind spots. I mean, they, they may just have six, seven, or eight. 
Um, am well, I right? They, yeah, absolutely. And there, there's some, like I said, a large majority, about 90%, uh, usually have about six or more. But you could have a couple mm-hmm. people just have two or three. Um, in those cases, you're probably not dealing with someone who has a sex addiction. You probably have somebody who may have had an affair because of maybe other circumstances that have come up. But what I look mm-hmm. at, you know, the large majority of folks I've worked with who indeed are sex or porn addicts, they have quite a few of these different blind spots. Okay. You know, I am talking with Eddie Caparucci, who is, he works at Abundant Life Counseling. That is your counseling agency, and you work there with Terry, correct? She works with the partners, yeah, yeah, and you wife. work with? Yeah, I thought so. You both have the same last name. I work with those who've done the dirty deeds, and she worked with the, with the partners, yes. Well, and how lucky are you to get to work with your wife and, and really help couples to heal both their individual selves and then their coupleship after they develop relational skills once they recognize their blind spots and go deeper into their own inner childhood wounding. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about your book, which is coming out, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts um, Your Sexual Addiction. Now, that's coming out in February. And no, that, 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 book, that, that, book is out now. that book came out in February. Oh, in the fall. And so you're hoping that it comes out in the fall, and obviously you're suggesting that to get healthy, you really have to do the inner child work. You have to learn how to reparent yourself so that you can then um, respond, react, and relate to others in a whole new, different way. And that, that's part of being the new guy, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you got as you said, you got two different things that are that are going on with the inner child. Uh, what I'm doing is I am helping individuals to understand why why has sex had a stronghold on my life, and therefore we do a lot of work to try to understand you know what what was happening. I'll I'll give you a quick example of story. I have a client who. Okay. Uh, she was having a, more of an emotional affair with a woman. Uh, there was no physical contact whatsoever. And what he was doing was he was writing erotica to her. And, um, and when his wife said she found out, and his wife kept asking him, kept saying, what was it about her? What did she mean to you? And he, and he kept saying, no, she didn't mean anything because I didn't have – and what he was thinking of it was I didn't have any great strong feelings for this woman. I was just – it was his way of he, – he had been a porn addict and he had given up porn. And now this was his way of staying in that world of porn. By now he was creating it in his own head. And he goes, but I, I, she doesn't mean anything. And he really meant that. He really felt that. And as I was working with him, I said to him, I go, but you know what? What you're telling your wife is not true. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, she did mean something. 
He goes, but I didn't have any kind of feel. I go, we're not talking about that. I go, what she meant was the fact that she had, she was an outlet for you. She was an outlet for you to get sexual gratification by sitting and writing this, you know, these pornography stories. That therefore you are engaging in these fantasies in your head on a regular basis that you would then write and share with her. So she was an outlet for you. And he was like, wow. He goes, you know what? I never, I never thought of it that way. I go, yeah, I go, see, that's why we got to keep going deeper. So he went back to his wife and he told her, he goes, you know what? She, she was a way of me maintaining the problem I had with pornography. And his wife was like, see, I knew there was something. She goes, there was some value that you got out of engaging with her. And that was the value. So therefore, with the inner child birth, what we do is I try to help men to understand, you know, why, again, does sex have a stronghold on me? And usually what it goes back to, it goes back to pain point, childhood pain point that have been unresolved. And what will happen is those pain points are, they wind up being um, exacerbated because of a current circumstance. So it's like you've got these two worlds that collide, the past and the present, as they come together. And when that happens, the person, again, not wanting to sit with pain, is going to run and going to go look for mm-hmm. something to comfort themselves. And then what we're going to do is say to them, guess what, you don't have to run from that anymore because you're not suffering the way you did when you were younger. You now have control over over the situation, and and but see, you have to bring that to light because they don't know this, they don't realize that's what's going on. So that's what the whole inner child aspect is. The idea about the blind spots is let's now take not just the changes that we made in helping you manage your addiction. Now let's build mm-hmm. your emotional maturity. And that's what the blind spots do. It's helping them become emotionally mature. Well, and I I absolutely love that because that's what I do so much myself, both individually and within a couple's relationship. Because let's face it, if you don't have it individually, you can't give it in a normal couple's relationship. You've just got, you've really got to be able to learn it and then practice the skill. And and it really does help when she knows what you're doing so that you can work on that together. You know, the premise of my Help Her Heal book is that when he helps her to heal, it improves his self-esteem. And the way he helps her heal is to develop those very relational skills that you're talking about as well as empathy. So I love yes. the fact that this inner child work is a way for and it's a way for a, a man or a woman to really get to see their own wounds, to be able to figure out how to feel the feelings, and then to move towards talking about them, finding safe people to talk to them about. And you know, let's face it, that's what recovery is all about: is 
creating those connections in your fellowship, in your program, with other people. And because we know when they practice them in support groups, you know, before and after the meeting, they practice them at home too. So I want to ask you a question about recovery. I mean, obviously, inner child work is something that is very, very needed. And and the men that I've worked with that have gotten the most out of therapy, it's invariably been when it's inner child work. What would you advise our listening audience? How can they begin to do inner child work? Where do they need to go? What do they need to look for? And um, what is your advice? Yeah, well, if they're going to do it on their own, which, again, you can try to do this on your own, what you're going to really need to do is sit down and start to journal. Uh, You're going to have to start to look at what's gone on in my life today, recognizing what I call negative events. Now, negative event could be as simple as you spill coffee on your shirt. So, therefore, let's say you spill coffee on your shirt, and it's like, oh, okay, well, that was stupid. And you just wipe it off and you move on. Obviously, you don't have much of a problem with the fact that you might be clumsy or anything like that. But let's say you spill coffee on your shirt and you're just beating yourself up all day. You're like hiding it with embarrassment. You don't want anybody to see it. Like, oh, you're such an idiot. How could you do this? And then, then you got to sit there and you got to say, okay, wait a second. Why am I being so hard on myself? Why am I being so difficult? And as you sit there and you start thinking about this, you may find, oh, well, I remember. He used to be my father. He used to tell me what a spaz I was and how uncoordinated. And that, you know, I'm nothing like my brother who was such a star athlete. You know, I'm just a, nothing but a klutz. And it's all of those things that bring up the negative narrative that play in the back of your head. We all have negative narratives. So what I'd be doing is starting to take and keep track of what negative things are you talking about what to yourself. What are you saying about yourself? How are you criticizing yourself? And start to write those down. And then once you have those, then to start to think about, all right, you know what? Where did this come from? You know, we're not born as children with the idea of, oh, you know what? You're a klutz. You know, you're not born that way. All right? You're not, you're not born with the idea of, oh, you're stupid. That's not, that's not what happens. Somewhere along the line, either directly or indirectly, that message is delivered to us. And therefore, you need to go back and you have to start looking, where did I get this, these messages from that cause emotional distress in my life? And once I recognize those, then I can sit there and I can start to process that and realize and say, well, wait a second. If what they were saying, is that really accurate? Is it really true? And in many cases, you're going to find out that they're not. The negative thinking that you have, your internal negative critic, is really just sprouting lies at you. They're not real truths. And therefore, you have to take what you feel I feel like I'm a klutz. I feel that I'm stupid. And you have to put it to reality. But what is reality? And that's part of what you do if you are going to do it yourself. If you, were going to, if you want to go deeper with that, 
then, you know, you want to find a certified, you know, sex addiction therapist uh, who also does inner child work. And there are more and more of those that are starting to uh, get involved with that. And that's part of where my book that came out in February, the um, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. And you can even pick up a copy of that and start looking there to see if that can give you some ideas, too. Well, I love the fact that you started out by saying journaling because obviously you identified earlier that mindfulness is the key to beginning the journey of self-introspection and reflection. And journaling is the number one way to be able to sit with your thoughts and your feelings and then decide, you know, how do the puzzle pieces fit together? And Yet there are many men that you mentioned journaling, and they they go running. I mean, the thought of writing down their feelings is overwhelming. And so, you know, I like the fact that clearly there are people that do inner child work. And you and I both know that anytime you can go to a support group, for um, inner child work or for reparenting, a therapist who specializes in it like yourself, um, they're going to get the biggest bang for their buck. And so I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you've made it your mission to do that. Now, I'm curious, people can get a hold of you by going to www.abundantlifecounseling.com. GA.com can go, they can find you at www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com or menagainstporn.org or sexuallypuremen.com. So as we begin to wrap up for tonight, would you explain why you have four websites? I mean, this is really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, you know, I'm a former journalist, so therefore I love to write. So that's that's part of what goes on. Um, abundant life counseling—that is our practice. That's Terry and I. That's our practice itself, and that's where people can find out about what we do from that standpoint. Um, the inner child.sexaddiction.com is all about the inner child. And on there also, for those people who live in more rural areas who can't find a counselor who specializes in both sex addiction as well as does inner child work, I have a 12-week online course that's there. For people if they're interested in that, uh, that I put together is a video program uh, that walks them through exactly what I would walk my clients through um, if I was, you know, doing a doing session with them. So that's what's there at, at those. The other two, Men Against Porn, is more of an advocate site where we're trying to get people involved in the fight against pornography, and then Sexually Pure Men is my standard blog where I host uh, most of my writing that I put on there, different articles uh, for people who want to learn more about not just um, 
how do you manage your addiction, but also, you know, how if you've been betrayed, you know, what are the things you should be doing, and more importantly, what should the person who betrayed you be doing with that? And I will tell your audience this. Um, if they have not gotten your book, your workbook, help, you know, uh, Helping Her Heal, they definitely have to do that because it's something that I use in my practice. I love that workbook. It is just a wonderful resource for my men to be able to give them more insight into, you know, what she is going through. Well, thank you. And I try to do that by helping them to figure out their own um, thoughts and feelings. You know, I mean, chapter two is about feeling identification right off the bat because I do find that men understand anger, but they don't necessarily understand sadness or loneliness or fear, Mm -hmm. you know. And so... I, I like for them to know the five primary feelings, and we all know that's kind of the gateway to being able to decide what are they going to need to do with the feelings once they allow themselves to feel it. So thanks, Eddie. I appreciate that. I I am talking with Eddie Cappuccino. Now, how do you say your name for real? Is it Eddie you say, you've been saying, Cappuccino? You've been saying it right. Cappuccino. Yep. You've been, okay. You've been great. Excellent. Okay. So, yeah, but go back, go back, go back to your book for a moment, though. I mean, your book complements a lot of what I try to do with these guys, and that's why, again, I think it is because I think it's something that, again, what we're trying to do is get them to be more curious, to get them to start to understand again, not just about what she needs from them, but also what they should be trying to do to have awakenings of their own. And that's why they just talked about that with Chapter 2, talking about the emotion. And again, stop living in this little shell, break out of it, and see what life can really be like. I don't know if I shared this with you the last time we were together, but I had a client come in to me last fall. And he, and he said to me one day, he goes, he goes, I have to ask you a question. I've been working with him for almost a year and a half, and he did great work. He goes, are the leaves brighter this year? And I, just, I just started laughing. And it was like, wow. no, not really. They're not really brighter. I go, they're brighter because you're paying more attention to them. And isn't that the truth? I mean, when you're mindful – your whole life experience is different. You feel more, you smell more, you see more, you touch more, and you taste more. So mindfulness is good. I'm I'm just getting ready to take Darren Ford's um, training on mindfulness. He has a whole uh, mindfulness program that he teaches, and, and I am so looking forward to it. He goes, oh, Carol, you already know this stuff. But what I know to be true is, when I focus on something, it opens my eyes and ears up to a new awareness that helps me and then helps anybody I'm around. So I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Do you know Darren Ford? He's a CSAT? No, I did not know him. Yes. Well, he wrote The Addictive Mind, and he is the publisher of my books. 
Sano Press. So he's a great guy, very talented, multi-talented, and I know he would love your work too. And so much of your work started from articles, didn't it? Being a journalist, you just get on a roll and just keep it going. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what happened, so. Well, I thank you for tonight. Like I said, I know it was difficult for you to come on, and you sent me an email and said, I hope I have the same amount of energy. And, Eddie, as usual, you've given so much to the show, and I appreciate it. Let me know when it's out. I want to um, interview you and let everybody know that this book of yours is going to be amazing. And, again, I want to remind people that it's going to be called Going Deeper, how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction. And you can find out information about that at www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. Eddie, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Carol. I really appreciate you having me on. Look forward to talking with you again in the future. All right. You take care and make it a good one. All right. That was Eddie Capricci, and I'm telling you, that man is super talented, and he really understands what it takes for an addict to heal. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about his work. It's always great when somebody has the experience of being a recovering addict, and he's living his life's purpose. So I am just so thankful for Eddie Capricci to um to do inner child work. And I'm thankful for you, my listening audience. You're the best. Um, so I'll see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And as I always say at the end of every show, hey, there'll only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself and make it a good week. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.